You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Logan's here to tell you, you need to get a job. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. of Redemption Hill Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the new residents. And the new pastoral resident, Logan Kane. Mm. Uh, before, before we uh, talk about that intro, you, but that you're here to tell everyone to get a job. Sure. Yeah, throw me under the bus. <laughs> I didn't want to throw myself under the bus. It doesn't work like that. Um, but how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I've just been working. Working. Speaking of work, Speaking you've been working. Work, you've been working hard, man. Yeah, I've been working at, at my job, getting a lot of uh, praise from my boss, which is good. But it's also just been weird because I'm used to school and work. Yeah, I know. What are you doing with all your free time? Um, let's see. I've been trying to do more art. Art. Actually, that's good. Yeah. And reading, and watching the Great British Baking Show. Really? With Kennedy? Yeah. Oh man, we watched that as a family. Our kids love it. Yeah, we've we've been watching them for years now. We we now like do stupid accents like mm, your sponge is bad <laughs> or something like that. We, soggy bottom. <laughs> whenever whenever my wife cooks and like, we always like, what would Paul and Prue say? My kids would always say that, you know. Ah, uh, see, so. I watched mostly the Mary Berry stuff. The Mary and, Berry stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then Prue came on, and then I took a break because I was like, nope, that's and not like, Mary ah, Berry. Prue's fine. We came back. Mary and Berry's now got a you know does have a. Um, Class, a class, and kind of like she endears herself to you, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, no, we came back. It's good now. Paul is really the only like jerk on the, you know, who's gonna give like the critical remarks, right? Actually, very, <laughs> no. very Prue. Prue's Did been she? ruthless really? sometimes. Yeah, they go back and revisit that. All right. Well, that has nothing to do with our topic. No, but you asked how I was, <laughs> and that's great. how I've been. <laughs> well, uh, yes, we're here to talk about work, or another word that I learned. In parochial school, and I never knew what they meant. Um, in what? Uh, parochial school, like private school. Growing oh. up, I, was, gr- Ooh, fancy. I, only, <laughs> I only went. I went for free because my went parents to were private there. school. <laughs> I would never go to public Sorry, school. Sorry, I didn't learn that in my public education. <laughs> of course, you wouldn't. You don't learn anything in public education. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, for the record, I went because. Uh, well, let me say it this this way. Between first grade and twelfth grade, I always had a parent working at the school that I attended. So, like, I was always being watched. <laughs> and in the Catholic school system in Dubuque, Iowa, it was the case where if I, uh, if uh, the students could go for free if your parents worked there, so oh, there's a massive discount where you paid a couple peanuts and whatever. So uh, that's why I went to private education, and um, you know, I would have gone to public school otherwise. Yeah. So sounds like fun. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll take public school over a private Catholic school. <laughs> you know, my wife went to public school. She, uh, she was homeschooled, and she went to no, she went to a private school and then public school. So she, so she got a taste of everything. She got a taste of everything. Now that I think about it, I've never been to a public school, even in a college. Huh. All the places I've been, I uh, know I went to community college for like a cup of coffee, <laughs> like to get a couple credits or whatever. Sure, that was about <laughs> it. That was the that was a public. Uh, Am I sheltered? <laughs> Is that what Maybe. I'm concluding about myself? <sighs> okay, we're here to talk about working. All all this education talk 
should lead somewhere. How about that for a segue? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully <laughs> your lead degree to, leads somewhere. Yeah, hopefully to a job. And, um, you know, we want to talk about this from a Christian perspective because I think surprisingly, and I think some people might be surprised about this, uh, the scripture speaks a lot about work and about yeah. uh, having a good even work ethic. Sure. Which in some corners of our culture these days, saying that a work ethic is a good thing is not popular, but I digress. Um, oh, Oh, you don't know? No, I mean, yeah, no. I mean, I haven't met a single person that said oh, having a work ethic, pshaw, uh, bully on you. This, that's a rabbit a trail. All right, right, shoot all right. the rabbit, move on. We'll have a conversation after the podcast. Yeah, yeah. enlighten me with your private it's education. A, it's a Gnostic um, knowledge, so you really have to be special to know it. Oh. It's a special knowledge. And so working hard is extremely biblical, but let's define some terms. I was trying to think about how would I define vocation mm-hmm. and then how do you know, kind of generally, and then what does that mean for uh, scripture and how does scripture kind of begin to flesh that out for us? Uh, for the record, if you hear any background noise uh, in the middle of this um, uh, cornfield that we're uh, located, there's, I think there's a thunderstorm outside. Yeah, it's, it's probably coming. Yeah, it's here. Farmers love it. They needed the, they need it. We're like we're like the USPS. Rain, shine, shine. We're, snow. We're at it, man. Oh, we 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 made, did some podcasts in like thirty, you know, degree weather, maybe twenty degree weather in this building. Yeah, like we had the, we had the heaters going. We're like, uh, so we do it for you. Uh, we do it for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so vocation. Let's stay on task. Sorry. Uh, generally speaking, vocation refers to a person's trade or profession. Right. Like um, something you do in a sense, to make a living. That's probably the way we would think about it today. Now, would you, um, since I mentioned before the show, I did have a um, class on this, actually, yeah, on, on vocations in God. Yeah. Um, would you say that that vocation is that, like, lifelong career that you go down? Or is vocation, like, this is my vocation for now versus, like, do you consider, for instance, your time uh, being a property manager as yeah. your vocation? Or is it yeah. is pastoral ministry really your vocation? Because that's what you want to do for your part, life. Right? Yeah, you know, uh, we'll talk about that. I think it's both. Okay. I think you. I mean, maybe your uh, prestigious seminary said otherwise, but I think I think it's important to say, you know, in the moment, God is calling me to this, and His providence. This is the job in front of me, even if it's not like my okay my uh, my dream job or whatever. Sure, it's what God has, and so you need to treat it with you know you get a do it with integrity and um, I think see it as a calling for the moment. Okay. Because some, I think everyone experiences at some point in their life, I'm doing something that might not be my favorite thing, but in God's providence, that's where I'm at. Okay. So was that uh, different from um, more of a long-term view with uh, some of your Yeah. Thoughts? So the, the, the book that we were, we were reading, which was God at work, um, he argued something very similar. Um, he argued that the vocation is not just the job. It's that job that you are called to. Yeah, right. Um, but also talked about how, like, you might be called to one job for a time period and one that you might not enjoy. So very similar. So let me let me tell a story then, and then we'll get into some scripture that really tell us yeah. a lot about um, vocation and work and work ethic and whatever else have you. So... Uh, I graduated in seminary in 2010. I actually just wrote a blog on this uh, this afternoon. So that'll be posted at some point. You can check out that blog if uh, you want to read up on it more about these about these ideas of, you know, Christian the Christian at work. Graduated seminary in 2010 
And, uh, you know, I, I was going to do what every seminarian does. What do you do? You get a job in pastoral ministry. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, get that resume out there. Yeah, get that resume out there. And, and, uh, prior, you know, in seminary and prior to seminary, I had spent, I don't know, eight, nine years in property management. Sure. It was a job. Yeah. That was a vocation for the time. And I was hoping to, I was, I was really hoping to move on from that. <laughs> well, let's just say when I graduated seminary, not a lot of churches were knocking down my doors, <laughs> you know, and, and rightfully so, honestly. I was an immature punk. I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, I I was older when I went to seminary relative to some other students that were there. Sure. But I was immature. I became a Christian later in life um, in my early 20s. And so just kind of realized after seminary and the many years after seminary, actually, in retrospect, that, you know, I didn't get everything that I could have got out of seminary in part because of my immaturity. Mm-hmm. So anyways, three years um, between seminary and my first call to pastoral ministry was spent in property management. And I and that was a vocation. And I had to, there was a point where I'm like, you know what, this is where God has me. And I remember many conversations with my wife about processing this. Because it's like, what did I go to seminary for? What did I do Bible college for? Right. And I realized that God was continuing to train me. Like it was an, it was it was another seminary class. And what I point out in my blog is um, I realized the immaturity that was going on in my heart, you know, and, and God was like trying to, trying to um, sand me down those, those hard, rough areas. Sure. And God was teaching me how to love people, how to love people well. Here's the, here's the crazy thing about my time in property management between seminary and my first call into pastoral ministry. I ministered to people every single day when, you know, I had a, my, the, my faith was beginning to make me kind of steady at work. And when that, and folks realized I was a seminarian graduate, they were like lining up to talk about their life and their problems and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, you're kind of a pastor, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I had a, a, not a coworker, but like, um, a friend in another, uh, area of work. And he's like, Oh, pastor Logan. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, I got that all the time. Yeah. But it really, it really helped me to understand, uh, people and mm-hmm. their, and the problems that they are wrestling with and going through. And a lot of it's really hard mm-hmm. and they just want someone to talk to or they're like, Hey, what would you say about this? And it's not that they were religious. They just kind of viewed me as someone who um, was steady, you know, not, not wildly up, not wildly down, just kind of steady and someone that they trusted. It's someone willing to listen. And someone to listen. And so I learned more about seminary in my vocation of property management in terms of practical ministry than I did while I was in seminary. <laughs> You know, at seminary taught me how to parse verbs, which is great, right? It's, it's yeah, fantastic. Oh no, I come on, I love Greek. Nerd, <laughs> I use it all the time, every week. You know, when it comes to <laughs> parsing, or you know, I go through the uh, the original language when I do my. Uh, Give me five years, I'm still jaded. <laughs> You're still <laughs> jaded. Um. So, anyways, I I really had to have a heart check mm. that in that moment, even though it wasn't my favorite job. That God had called me there. And, and by God's grace, I got promotions and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was grateful for the company. Uh, the CEO was a Christian. She knew I was a seminary graduate. As a matter of fact, um, on my last day um, working for this company, she actually came into my office. It was a Saturday. She had no right, no business. Not, she had every right. But in terms of like, she, she didn't have to pass through, you know? Sure, yeah. yeah. It's her Saturday. And she was on her way to on a plane to D.C., uh, getting on a plane to D.C., and she just came in to encourage me. She's like, listen, 
I think you're called to this. And, uh, and she was grateful for the time I was there, but really grateful, you know, that I was moving into ministry. So that was, you know, it was a blessing it ended up being yeah. a blessing at the end of the day. So, but I think that C- the CEO of that company came in cause she also knew I was a hard worker. Right. That, uh, I, I showed up on time. I didn't take many labor union breaks. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know i i i did what was asked of me yeah, she, i'm not saying it was perfect and she probably knew you were living up to the biblical standards of work yeah right yeah and uh so that was good and so what are those biblical standards logan well i mean do start broad yeah like we have to understand that we were actually made to work yeah. Like work is, I mean, as much as I wish it was, that work was um, a product of the fall. You know, Isn't it? it? It's oh, not. the fall made it harder. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. before the fall, we, was, we, we read were, in Genesis 1. Yeah, we read in Genesis 1. Um, and I'll go ahead and just do that. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yeah, and verse, God yeah. blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and mil- multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue and it. have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So fill the earth takes work. Yep. Right? Subduing it takes work. Yep. And having and, and maintaining dominion over, over God's creation takes work, right? And so it's assumed in this passage that God created man and woman to work. Yeah. Now we would say, from a complementarian perspective, uh, there's different roles in terms of work, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But baseline is God created people to work pre-fall, right here. And I think even more pointed is the text from Genesis two fifteen. Can you read that one? Yeah. So the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep, keep it. So so if you weren't convinced from Genesis 1, <laughs> see Genesis 2. <laughs> yeah. Eden, that place that we like strive to go back to, yeah. like a glorified Eden when we'll the be working. world is... We'll be working. Because in the garden of Eden, his task was to work. Now the toil... Will not be there. Right. 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 I mean, that's Genesis 3 now. You got the fall, right. sin enters the world. Adam and Eve is like, come on, guys, what are you doing? Yeah, you by had, the you sweat had, of your brow. Yeah. You had, you had like one rule to follow and they couldn't follow it, one commandment. Um, and then we read about all the consequences of sin. And part of that is work now became hard. Right. Childbearing became painful. Painful. Right. I was hard too, but painful as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> But yeah, you fainted. You have no idea. I fainted. Yeah, I fainted in that room. Oh man, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Someone's gonna text me, and be like, "What happened?" But at least from these passages, you can see that the actual work, having a job to do, is not something that was a part of sin. God had a plan for Adam to work and keep the garden. Yeah, and 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 before we start talking about like what does that mean today, note this. It's not like they were receiving a paycheck. Right. Now, times have changed and work looks different in terms of what, you know what was going on in the garden, but they were active. Right. They were they were using uh, the gifts that God gave them mm-hmm. and they were looking at God's creation and say I got to work at this. And so they weren't idle. This in the Bible, we'll talk about this in a minute. The Bible speaks a lot a lot about idleness and the sin of idleness. 
So uh, Proverbs says a lot about um, working. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just picked two, but I think if you if you think, you know, how do I understand a, a Christian work ethic? Uh, I would say read Proverbs and then go read it again and read it again and read it again and read it again because it's, it talks a lot about the value of work and the consequences of working hard and being honest and being a, a man or woman of integrity in your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so go ahead and read a passage or two from Proverbs, if you yeah. don't mind. Yeah, you picked out two, and I'm actually kind of curious about the first one. So Proverbs thirteen twenty two: A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Well, that's that first part, um, inheritance that that caught my attention. Okay, you a, a person creates an inheritance for his children by doing what? Working. Okay. And so it's the hard work that that helps um, the generations behind you. And so you see the, uh, a value of working hard is that you get to do this for your kids. And also I would say as you create that inheritance for your kids, your kids are also actually seeing hard work being modeled hopefully as well. And so that's where my mind was going okay. regarding that. It wasn't much as that second part of the verse, um, but it was that first part of of the verse. Does that so make sense? Yeah, just seeing the benefits of work of of essentially, I mean, you kind of hear it in a different form nowadays where it's like, ah, oh, we want to leave this world better for the right. for the next generation. Right. In this case, it's the inheritance that you want to be able to pass on to your kids yep. Yep. that the government will then tax. Sorry. No, that's all good, man. And, and <laughs> you know, I think some people look at that and it's like, we start talking about capital gains tax and you know, all that kind of stuff. No, that's not where I'm going. Um, you know, I certainly have opinions and all that kind of stuff, but I think the point is mm-hmm. your hard work results in a certain kind of fruit. Right. Hopefully not all the time, you know, but I think, I think inheritance might not be just financial. Sure. It, it could be like you set the example and your kids kind of inherit that example. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. It could be other things as well. You know, so my kids couldn't, could inherit all my uh, books, which one of them would love. The other one would probably be like. Can I get on that? Can you like write me in? <laughs> write you into the will? Yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead and read that second one. Yeah, Proverbs 14.1. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Yeah. So just talking about building the house yeah. is a form of work. Yep, it is a form of work. And so we can talk about, Let's an- we can now answer this question. I was going to get to it later, but let's just do it right now. Is a wife or a mother who is home, is she working? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that kind of gets missed in our culture. It's like, oh, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Did you have a job? Yeah, I personally do see a lack of value of the of the state. 100%. Home. I mean, we could talk about the, the, um, the uh, feminist movement, you know, and, and, I, and I think it's okay for women to work outside the home. My wife does, your wife does. Um, but my, my wife knows that her first job is to care for the home, care for the kids. She homeschools our kids. She is great at it. Um, my kids benefit from that. And she does all that and has an outside job. Yeah. She works part time. Well, she she might work harder than you. Hey now. (laughs) Um, yeah, she, she works hard, man. And I am grateful for it. And she does build her house. Right. Uh, to be clear, like, Part of her job is to ride horses. Like, <laughs> okay. I'm not Fair. saying she's not working, but 
She loves that kind of stuff, <laughs> which I'm I'm so happy for her. You know? Yeah, we previously were talking about jobs that you don't quite like, but you still do because <laughs> yeah. God's called you that. She's called the rat horses. Yeah, and she's good right. at it, among other things. But yeah, mm. that's 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 what she loves. And so we do see in Proverbs, you can go to multiple examples in Proverbs to begin to tease out what does it look like to have that work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think more specifically in Proverbs, it's what's the fruit of working hard. I was just thinking out loud, I'm thinking out loud right now, but go back to Joseph. I think in our last podcast, we'd mentioned him for other reasons. Right. And we were talking about God's decree, but you see the value of an, or having integrity in your work in the life of jo- Joseph, mm-hmm. right? Because he got favor in the eyes of his captors. Yeah, absolutely. And they're like, and he worked hard mm-hmm. and uh, he had a, a, a brilliant mind interpreting dreams, you know, things like that. He used the gifts that God gave him and he leveraged it for God and he worked hard at it. Now, the New Testament speaks a lot about work as well. Um, go ahead and this is a longer passage, but I think it's important. Um, it's from Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. So if you like tracking along on your Bible app or you have your Bible in front of you, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, Verses 6 to 12. I want Logan to read it all because I think here, you're getting ready. Yeah. Don't mess it up, Gotta man. Got to do some vocal exercises. Get your, get your preaching voice on. <laughs> so go ahead and read that, but you're going to see why this text is so important when we talk about work and those who do not work. Now we command you, brothers. Command the- you. Command you. Sorry. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness. That's the word. And not in accordance with the tradition that you received from us. Now, pause. Sorry. One might be wondering, like, how is idleness connected to the tradition that was received? Is he talking about something theological or spiritual? We need more context. So next verse. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Uh, yes. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day. Pause. So part of what we read there is that um, Paul and his companions did not take it for granted that as they worked, that people were just going to give them food to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well known. Paul was a tent maker. He had another job that he could leverage for the kingdom. And he realized that if he's going to eat food, it's upon him using the gifts that God gave him in order to put food in his mouth. He is not looking for a handout. Correct? Correct. And I think now maybe don't quote me on this, Yeah. but it was actually common in like Greek and Roman culture. Um, that's essentially a lot of philosophers who went around town like their thing was essentially talking and teaching their philosophy. Yeah. But others would then support them and give them food, money, that sort of thing. Sure. Paul's doing the opposite where he's actually, you know, preaching the gospel and also providing for himself through his work. Yeah. And, and it, you know, to be sure, if Paul, like, you know, was invited over to someone's house and they're like, hey, we're going to provide a meal for everyone. You receive that with gratitude, right? Right. You know, you come over to my house, hey, we're going to eat, let's have fun, you know, whatever. Yeah, when you when you, if I invite you over to my house, don't slip me a twenty for the <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so I, I think that's important to to see there. So go ahead. I don't know where I told you to stop. Sorry. Uh, but we to- we uh, but with toil and labor we worked night and day yep. that we may not have been a burden to you. 
Yes. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. There's that again, though, like they're being an example. Right. Of, of the importance of working hard. We see the imitate there twice in this particular passage. We, we want you to imitate the, the work ethic that we are demonstrating to you. So you see it. Now you go do the same. Right. So and what's, be idle. And what's interesting, I think there's other passages that mes, uh, mention that P- Paul sees that he has a right to receive, you know, care because yeah. because of his work in the gospel. Yeah. I think he mentions um, you know, that the, you know, ox deserves yeah, absolutely deserves the grain. So two things are true at the same time. Um, you know, a man who works hard should be compensated. Mm-hmm. You know, in him in particular, he's talking about pastoral ministry. Pastoral ministry, you should be compensated for the work that a person person does in, in pastoral ministry. On the other hand, Paul is not going to take advantage or make assumptions. Mm-hmm. That um, he's all of a sudden going to receive all the goodies. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so we have both things again that are true at the same time. Right. Yeah, exactly. So then where was I? <laughs> yeah, I, know, I Verse stopping. 10. I, I think I told you to read it through in your preaching voice. That didn't work out very well. No. I keep pausing. Yeah. Go ahead. Verse 10. <laughs> Could you imagine if this happened like during church? I know. Pause. <laughs> I have a thought. Time out. <laughs> Pastor Sean. I have, a, I have a story, but I'm going to save it for later. Go. <laughs> uh, verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Couldn't that be? How it's so clear could not be more clear. If you're not going to work, you're not going to eat. Insert political comment here. (laughs) I I know. Continue. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Ah, See what he did there? Mm -hmm. Punny. Yeah, I know, right? Now, sure, persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work uh, quietly and to earn their own living. So I think that passage is abundantly clear about mm-hmm. the importance of work and not being idle. Now, right. There is a difference between being unwilling to work and unable and unable to work. Right. Certainly there are people who are unable to work for various physical reasons. Um, could be mental reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. there are various reasons why people's like, I can't work. Yeah. Um, I think like in the scriptures, when it talks about caring for the poor, absolutely, it's those people that can't work. Right. The, the, um, the blind man at the city gates, right. You know, the leper, the leper, yeah. Paralytic. Um, caring for yeah. them yeah. rather than caring for those people that are fully capable of working, but choosing not to. Yeah. And notice what we're not doing. We're not, we're not, we're not overly defining what work is. Mm-hmm. Especially in our day where work can mean so many different things. Um, you know, we already talked about a, a mother who's home mm-hmm. um, with the kids and who's a homemaker. Uh, that's work. Uh, there could be, there could be a, just, you know, it could be a situation where the kids maybe are out of the house or in school and, and the wife is home just wanting to support her husband and his vocation. Mm-hmm. That's work. It could be volunteering for ministries. You know, I'm going to go put a lot of my energy into this particular organization. I'm not getting paid for it. That's not the point. The point isn't that you get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. The point is like, are you walking in God's calling and are you working well at that particular calling? Whatever that might be. It might have a paycheck, but it might not have a paycheck as well. And I think that's the hang up for a lot of people, especially in our culture outside of a lot of Christian circles. So non-Christian circles where the value is in the paycheck. Sure. And we have to push back against that. We have to say, no, there's multiple ways to work. Now, 
does work sometimes mean getting a paycheck so you can put food in the mouth and a roof over the head? 100%. But it is more than that. So I think it's good to have a broader definition right. of what's going on here. Right. Yeah, because otherwise, if you do put it on the paycheck, then all of a sudden that mother at home who's busting her butt to care for kids yeah. is now idle. But it, no, she's not. <laughs> listen, listen. And I'm just going to make this abundantly clear. For all the moms out there who are home with their kids, thank you for working hard. I've said this before. I will say it again. What my wife does to care for my kids is vastly more difficult than what I do. Like she works hard and she wakes up and she goes to bed tired and she works hard. So thank you, stay-at-home moms. PSA, I guess. Sorry. Continue. So I was right. She does work more than you. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a dad, but I'm just giving credit where credit's due. Amen. I mean, I'm dialing into my kids. I mean, I, I support, you know, the softball games and the swimming and, you know, discipling them, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff. And all that's work, by the way, too, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's more work. So we can talk about guys, too. But I, I the stigma behind stay-at-home moms is too great for me to ignore. And so I think it's important to really press into that and just make abundantly clear the value of that kind of work. So anyways, uh, other passages we can go to uh, include, how about Titus 2? Uh, verse three and five. Yeah. Something we, since we're on the topic of, yeah. of moms and yep. something we touched on lately, but it is supported by scripture. So it's Titus two, three through five older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young mem- women to love their husbands and children mm. to be self-controlled, pure working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Yeah. There's a lot there we could talk about, you know, there's and, and some touchy subjects, some touchy subjects in there too. You know, like what does all this mean? I mean, we go back to Genesis and talk about what does it mean for Eve to be created, to be the helper of mm-hmm. Adam. We can go to Ephesians five where the wife is called to submit to mm-hmm. her husband. And we have passages like this. Um, what's going on here? Well, we're not going to make this about, um, you know, complementarianism. Uh, we want to talk about vocation. What we do see in here, again, just to reiterate, and then we can kind of move on, that the call of a wife and a mother is important, and God cares about it so much that we read about it in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And he gives us some direction about how to process and think through that. And that it's not to say that the husband should not help in that No, work. no, of course not. Of course not. Um, I, I want to help. Mm-hmm. If anything... A husband should be, in many ways, being self-sacrificial. Oh, yeah. Go Again, go to Ephesians 5 for his wife. Yeah. And so sometimes that means doing more mm-hmm. than what many think should be done. Sure. So. You know, you and your wife both come home tired. You do to the dishes because it would bring your wife joy. Oh, totally. All the time. Yeah. Absolutely. And we don't have a dishwasher, so uh, they pile up quickly. Dishwasher's right there. <laughs> He's got two. One, two. Uh, Logan, you're too much. Um, there are other passages we can go to that talk about idleness. Uh, you can go to Ecclesiastes as an example. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, ten eighteen, Proverbs ten. Uh, but what what we also what's important to talk about when it comes to work is rest. Mm-hmm. So like there are people who are workaholics. Yeah, it's like a, a seven day work week. You know, twenty four seven. Right. 
and um, you know, 365 days of the year, except in that leap year, you get that extra day to work. Uh, God calls people to rest. Yeah. Even God rested on the seventh day. So God's the model here of rest. <laughs> and it's not like he was tired. Right, exactly. He's just modeling the importance of taking rest. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to touch on that, like, because one thing you have to assess if you are a workaholic, working seven days a week, 24 hours. Yeah. Although you can't do that, but anyways. <laughs> um, you know, has that become an idol? Right. I think, so I'm not a Sabbatarian. I don't believe that you must rest on Sunday or Saturday, however you want to take that. Right, right. But I think you do see the importance of it through scriptures because it shows, I think, trust in the Lord. Yeah. You know, um, and it's a good time to recover all the energy that you have just spent and be able to take the time and focus on God. Yeah. So when it comes to like the Sabbath, I mm-hmm. actually lean more toward, I'm not full, full on Sabbatarian. Sure. But I, I I definitely lean into the camp of like there's a day for the Lord. Yeah. Um, so there's two types of rest here. There's the Hebrews type of rest where it's like our rest is in Jesus. I think Hebrews four. Um, and then um, we have the physical rest. Like God designed us for rest as well. Mm-hmm. And so even before the commandments, you know, were were uh, keep the Sabbath right. Uh, we have the example of God resting in Genesis. Mm-hmm. In Genesis one. And so what does that say about us? If God needs to rest, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think God doesn't need to rest per se. Right. <laughs> like I said, he's not actually physically tired. Right, right. But I think there's, there's, an, there's a message being sent regarding mm-hmm. rest. Even sleep. Sleep is a gift. I mean, Amen. Some, <laughs> some people love sleep more than others. <laughs> I'm, you know, I don't care as much. My wife loves sleep. You might like sleep. But we all need to sleep. I mean, if you got somebody who's like, you know, go, 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 go. Well, you can go, 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 go all you want, but you know what's going to happen eventually? Sleep. You're going to crash. You know, God designed us for sleep, and sleep is a gift for us to embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how we stay generally healthy, right? We we say, okay, I'm going to work hard when I'm awake, and I want to sleep well at night. Yeah. And there, and also, there might be seasons where you do have that insane work schedule. Oh, of course. Of course. I've but had that. they should be seasons. <laughs> yeah. You ever planted a church? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just not as the lead pastor, yeah. but I have. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's been the challenge for me as a uh, you know a guy who kind of lead pastor for this church plant is like, how do I rest well? And I, I had a good brother of mine. I was talking to him about this, and I was kind of running ragged or whatever. And he, it was uh, Rob Danielson. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love him so much. I'm so grateful for him. He came up to me and he's like, and he was very gracious. He's like, dude, man, why are you living in sin? Like, you need to rest. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're right. And I'm like, all right. I'm glad you're my friend who can tell me this. You tell- must have been looking tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, if you know him, you know him, obviously, but he's one of the most gracious dudes. But oh, yeah. also... I appreciate that he cared for my soul so much that he was willing to call that out. And if you know Rob, he works hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does extra stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. That guy. Like, there was one time crazy. Like, Brooks needed help with his car. Yeah. And it's like we just happened to be at his house and he just like broke out the. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not a mechanic, so I'm like, the car fixing things. The car fixes itself, right? <laughs> I just no. drop it off at a building and it gets fixed. Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah, no. So anywho, working hard is important. Resting is important. 
getting good sleep is important. I think all this is tied into your vocation. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to do your vocation well, the rest component, the sleep component is really uh, important. So so let's let's cover this one more time. Um, Because I would imagine, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, some people are in a season where they're doing a job they might not necessarily love, or it's okay, but they don't feel... Like, this is my long-term calling. Right. Like, you got your MDiv. Yep. You know, um, you're not in pastoral ministry. You're a nope. pastoral resident. Right. But, you know. And I'm working for an annuities company. Yeah. <laughs> Which totally, you know, it, that just tells me that your degree totally, you know, is about annuities, right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> no. Yeah, masters of divination to figure out how annuities work. <laughs> So what do we, how do we process, how do we help people process that season? And it could be a long season. Yeah. It could be years. I mean, yeah. was, for me, it was three years. Who knows what the Lord will have for me in the future. I mean, you can get back into that season. Yeah. Um, how do we process that? I mean, one thing that's actually really helped me. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'll good. plug Midwestern again. <laughs> you didn't do it last time, so you got to play catch up. But they have a motto and that motto has kind of become a family motto, which is for the church. You know, why, why am I down I in Iowa yeah. working at an annuities company? I love well, it's, it's for the church. And why am I working for the church? Well, I'm working for the church for God's glory. Yeah. So for me, having that and understanding that ultimate purpose of why I'm doing this, it's not, it, my work helps me put food on the table, helps me have that, Yeah. you know, but all of that is so that I can devote myself to God's church and to his glory. Hmm. And that is one way where it's like, yeah, I had a rough day at work or maybe I don't particularly like my job in this instance, but that's what helps me drive through. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, that's great, man. I think that's fantastic. And I think also in addition to, you know, that ecclesiastical motivation for you, like for God and for his church, there is an opportunity to trust in God's providence. Like he is indeed still at work in your life, even if you're at a job, it's not your favorite. Yeah, um, he he he's trying to teach you something. He's trying to show you something, and a lot of times it's just trusting him, right? That doesn't mean you can't put out resumes and mm-hmm. you know pursue new avenues, but you certainly should trust in God's providence for your life. Yeah, I mean, one of the jobs that like I actually like my current job, but one of the jobs I hated was landscaping. Oh sure, like that was hard. Yeah, we talked about your work. Your, uh, non-affinity to exercise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Landscape is kind of up there. <laughs> clearly see. <laughs> um, well, it's a hard physical labor. Yeah. It was That's hard. like lifting weights, man. Yeah. Yeah. A wheelbarrow full of rocks uh, going uphill. The landscaping. That was home, terrible. Yeah. Um, but it, God used that. Yeah. I think for multiple reasons. One, it was the job I had right before my wedding. Oh yeah. So it helped me stay healthy for my wedding yeah. and get tan. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not his main purpose, but I like to think it was one of his purposes. But it also taught me taught me good work ethic in general. Doing yeah. how to do a job that you really don't want to do, yeah, but do it well. Yeah. So, Amen. no, that's good. And I and I think um, there's no wasted moments when you are in a relationship with the creator of the universe, your creator, you know, and you're working at a job that's not your favorite. He's not. There's no wasted moments in that. And I, sometimes, sometimes it is a matter of perspective mm-hmm. and also a matter of, you know, trying to obey the scriptures as well. Mm-hmm. 
do this with a you know have a have a joyful heart have a good attitude allow the fruits of the spirit to come through you love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness self-control i mean all of those fruits right have that come through you even if it's a vocation that you're currently in that's well not your favorite right so and i think the other thing i would say regarding folks who are in that position and maybe you're listening and you're just, you're just like tracking and you're like yeah that's me I think it's good to pray. I think when I was in that season after seminary, I prayed. I asked God, I'm like, God, can, is there a pathway out of this? You know, what do you want me to do? And and for me at the time, you know what I did? I went and got a second master's, you know, in that season. Flex. I'm not flexing. <laughs> oh, I love you. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like the, the job was right. a vocation. I knew that I still wanted to pursue theological education. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. And I obviously, you know, worked this out with my wife too. Cause you know, we, we had just had our youngest, our oldest who then was young. And yeah, can we do this? Youngest at the time. I know. Youngest at the, the I, know, I, know, I thought about it. I'm like firstborn. <laughs> you know, can we do this? And so, right. um, it, none of that was wasted. I wasn't wasted at work. wasn't wasted as I was pursuing, you know, a second degree. I think it's always good to pr- pray for that clarity of, of yeah. what, what's the next steps. Um, for my wife specifically, she's done that multiple times mm. and God has provided, mm. you know, chosen to provide work for her yeah. um, in somewhat unusual ways where it's like this one random job that just yeah. happens to like, where'd that come from? Right. I'm like, uh-huh. I guess I'll throw my resume at it. Oh, all right. Look at that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always good. It's, Especially when you you do know that you have a calling beyond, yeah, like an ultimate calling beyond what you're currently at. Yeah, you, being in prayer, mm. I think also helps, you know, keeping that ultimate purpose in mind. Yeah, that's good. Uh, one final point on um, an encouragement for all people in their vocation, and especially if you're in a, a spot where it's not your favorite, you're on mission. Yeah. In God's providence, you're on mission to care for, if you're a Christian, to care for, to speak truth, to show the love of Christ to the people that are around you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's good to keep that in view. Like, you know, we've talked about your work environment. I've shared a story about when I was at work, you know, how um, there are opportunities all around you, all around you to share the love of Christ. When You know, for me in pastoral ministry, I have to push myself out of the pastoral ministry silo to pursue those who don't know Christ, right? right. So, Because everything I do, especially as a solo and lead pastor, is for the church. Yeah, I mean, you could just be stuck in meetings with other people yeah, from the absolutely. church, writing a sermon. Stuff that I'm grateful to do and I love to do. You're fantastic. Yeah. But sometimes you need to go to a coffee shop. Which is what I do. <laughs> or go to the Y. Or go to the Y, which is, yeah. Put yeah. yourself out there so that yeah. you can get in contact with people that are not in your bubble. Yeah, that's right. And so we, we're intentional about pursuing those outlets. Okay, what does mission look like in light of the context? If sometimes God puts you right there in the middle of it and all around you are people who don't know the Lord. And those are gospel opportunities. Mm-hmm. And and I would also add regarding prayer, pray for them. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember praying for my coworkers, especially ones that kind of, you know, bugged me a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to be mad at people when you're praying for them. Exactly. And then all of a sudden your, your heart softens. And then you begin to see, instead of a person driving you nuts, you see an image bearer of God. And then you realize, ah, this person needs Jesus. So your vocation, regardless of where you're at, is not wasted. But there are opportunities all around you. The harvest is plentiful, 
It says in the Gospels, the harvest is plentiful and you are our laborer. You might be one of the few laborers, um, as that text says, but you are a laborer for that harvest. No, that's what I got about vocation. So in summary, get a job for the glory of God. Get a, get a and, job for the glory of God. Yeah, And that job does not have to pay. It does moms. not have to pay. Yep. Stay at home dads. See, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> A topic maybe for another yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, right. thanks for listening, everyone. Appreciate that you take interest in this particular podcast. Thanks for watching on YouTube. You can leave comments below. We love receiving comments and thoughts from people. Um, you can check us out on all the relevant Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google? Google. We're supposed to be, but I got to Spotify. Check. Spotify, yeah, and then Stitcher. Which right. is something I'm else. gonna let you know. I mean, if we're not on Google, no one really uses Google Podcasts. <laughs> and then you can also check us out right at our website, cornfieldtheology.com. Mm. And uh, you know, we've kind of, at this point, we've kind of gone public with it. We're still, you know, continuing to refine, uh, it. refine it, absolutely, update it, update it, refine it. We're, but it's a great uh, resource. We hope it's beneficial for you. We, we we created it with our local church in mind, but on the World Wide Web. Y'all have access to it, and if it's a blessing to you, we are grateful uh, that we're able to do that. And I'm grateful for the person right, who who uh, created it, Craig Waldron, friend of ours, friend of mine from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I used to be his pastor. He did a wonderful job on the on that particular website. And we've learned a lot about WordPress. Uh, yeah, totally. Wait, no, I have. Yeah, you're gonna learn a lot about WordPress. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, God bless everyone. Again, thanks for taking interest. And uh, if you've got any comments, please leave them. And then uh, give us a five-star review because that gets our name up to the top of the list. So when people put in the word theology, the cornfield part shows up and they're like, what comes from the cornfields? We do. Peace out. Bye-bye. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.